0: Let go. I greet all of you this morning. I'm Nancy Folsom Lane and I have the privilege of being one of the associates on campus and I'm glad to share this time of worship with you this morning. As we gather to worship, as we gather to seek God's Word, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge this as Mother's Day. And so to mothers among us, I say welcome and thank you. And I remind all of us that mothers come in many forms. Some by birth, some by choice, some are living, some have passed. And then we remember mothers today, some who parent their children here on earth. And we remember others who this is a hard day for because they look forward to, day, to the day when they will hold their kids again in heaven. Join me now for a brief word of prayer. Holy and loving God, you are with us. And you are with us both in the present and in the waiting. And for that, we honor you and give you our praise. Lord, in our remembering and our honoring today, we do give thanks for mothers. And we tenderly pray for those who yearn to be mothers, who are in that time and place in their lives of waiting. Help us be the body of Christ, a community that welcomes and holds all. Lord, open our hearts, be present in my words, that all we offer this day might honor you. In the name of Jesus, we do pray, amen. As we think about the role of mothers in our lives, most of us would agree that the primary task that a mother takes on early on is raising their kids, getting their children ready for life. We start out by feeding schedules and sleep schedules. Then we move into the homework years. And then we tote them around to practices and rehearsals hoping that in some way we are contributing to their preparedness for adulting. We are uncertain where our kids will end up, but we aim to build a foundation. We don't know what they are going to have to navigate in their lifetime. But we think and we value things like respect, teaching them to honor the adults in their midst and to respect authority. We talk to them about responsibility, how to take care of their possessions and to respect the possessions of others. We raise them up to learn what it means to be a part of a team, how to collaborate with others. And we train, sometimes more successfully than others, our children with money and resources, how to save, how to be generous, and how to avoid debt. We get down into the nitty-gritty and we get in the practical when we're mothering and parenting. We teach them skills like how to do laundry, how to cook, how to get your own glass of water out of the refrigerator. And insert your mother or your grandmother's voice here. We teach them things like, you must always wear clean underwear because you don't know when you might be in an accident. It doesn't stop there. There are other things we as mothers, we as parents say, my mother's favorite, Don't ever park near a white cargo van. They could throw open the doors and snatch you inside before anybody hears you scream. Don't go to the ATM at night. And now in this day, don't get in an Uber or Lyft without checking the license plate. And then there's the things we do. We do recon before our kids go over to another child's house if we don't know that the parents are safe. We track our kids' internet usage. We check our kids' grades online, probably more than they do or care. And we track them through our cell phones constantly. And one of my favorites in the South we send our kids to Cotillion. So they learn etiquette and the basic skills of social dance. Yeah, all you who are laughing, you've been there. I recently overheard a story about a young man locally who went off to Cotillion. The final concluding evening, the parents were gathered around to watch their children's social graces. And one young man stole the show. Parents watched him go up to a young woman and say, would you like to dance? It was appropriate. It was good. They went out on the dance floor. It was lovely. And as if it was orchestrated, he looks down and he says, I like your shoes. Parents looked on watching this young man measuring, my gosh, he's gotten so much and my kid's gotten this out of the experience. They were humbled a bit when on girls two, three, and four, he did the same courtesy, would you like to dance, but then used the only line he was readied for, I like your shoes. We can only get our kids ready so much and then they have to learn, they have to fly on their own. We spend lifetimes readying ourselves through kindergarten, college, careers, marriage, childbirth, promotions, surgeries. We even prepare ourselves for retirement. Our culture has primed us and taught that it is so important to be ready But what are we as the people of God ready for? Do we max ourselves out with our one line? I'm ready. Or do we seek God to see us through any circumstance, to know that we are ready in such a way that we can navigate anything that comes our way in life? It is easy to get overwhelmed at any age when we reflect on the state of affairs in our world. Headlines lead with things like humanism, intolerance, and violence. And we, if you're like me, collectively mourn the loss of a culture that had a place for the church in the center of it. We hold on as God's people to a deep desire to live in a world where grace and mercy are spoken. Where actions are marked by love and peace. And where God is honored in our homes, in our communities, and in our workplaces. May we as God's people never forfeit our desire for all people to be rooted in God and to bear fruit in our living and in our loving. So how do we ready ourselves? How do we ready the children in our lives to live in such a way that leads to life eternal? Growing up, one of my summer escapes was going canoeing at least for a week at a time on the Upper Iowa River. And to kind of give you a time and a place, if you were around in 2011, you probably heard about the eagles on the internet and people would sit for hours looking at eagles' nests in Decorah, Iowa. Well, that's what I'm talking about. The Upper Iowa River is right along where those eagles, where people would sit in front of their computers and watch these eagles. One of my just get-away-from-it-all times was to go canoeing on the river with friends, and it was common every day we were on the river to be paddling along, and a few feet from us, a turkey vulture or an eagle would swoop down, and grab its next meal out of the river before soaring and returning to where they were nesting. The river provided a beautiful setting, but what framed each side were soaring sandstone bluffs. And if you look close, you would see roots coming down through the sandstone, something that's not a hard rock, but the roots would penetrate and they would root deep in the riverbed. And then you and you would look high, you would see the trees some 100, 150 feet high in the air on top of the bluffs. Those roots sustained those treetops amid winters, amid all the inhabitants of the trees and through all sorts of circumstances. If we look to the Psalms, the psalmist reminds us to devote ourselves to the Lord, to be people who are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in season and prosper. Scripture calls us, as the people of God, to sink our roots deep into a godly foundation that will sustain us when we encounter evil and when we walk through life's valleys and when we are overshadowed by death. Think about tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds can be the size of the soccer ball out in the Southwest, or they can be the size of a car. But what tumbleweeds have in common, no matter their size, is that they have a very shallow root system. And once they break free from their system, root system, they blow and they roll with any circumstance environmentally that they face. In contrast, (laughs) Consider the massiveness of the giant redwoods or the sequoia. Often hundreds of years old, their root systems not only go deep, but they go wide. Often some 250 feet wide from the base. What I love about this is the root system that goes horizontally, not only feeds the tree that it is rooted in, it feeds the surrounding trees. It provides strength for the trees that it canopies with and it intertwines to support one another when the winds blow. Can you just hold that image in your heads? We have the tumbleweed blowing around and then we have the deeply rooted tree that sustains not only itself, but also neighboring trees. Oh, how we as the people of God benefit when we are surrounded by people with deep roots, with supportive roots. Isn't that what all of us need, no matter our age, no matter our stage? That is the fellowship that we come to know through relationship with Jesus Christ. If we are rooted in Scripture, if we have a part in the body of Christ, then we have community that holds us and loves us when something happens in our family when something happens in our lives, when we experience tragedy or loss. No matter what we face, those people will be with us and God is with us. Our scripture passage today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm sharing from the sixth chapter, verse 33. A short scripture. I want you to hold this in your hearts this week. As you'll see on the screens, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Consider now with me the context of this passage. Put yourselves in in Galilee on the hillside. Jesus is walking among those who came to listen to him and he's looking around teaching And as he does these words from the Sermon on the Mount, he sees flowers and he sees birds and he begins to teach. And again, I draw your attention to the screens, beginning with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that nothing, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? God provides for the birds, for the flowers, for us. Yet we live and have to be in that tension of a culture that measures success by wealth and status. We wake up every day driven with the expectation that we are called to achieve and accomplish versus seek. And discover. We wake up feeling like we have to measure up versus waking up invigorated by the thought that God might do something through us. If we seek God and experience firsthand what it means to wait on the Lord, what it means to listen. Part of rooting, part of being ready is rooting so deeply in God's word and in the rhythm of God's spirit moving in our lives that everything we do and say is about that relationship, is sustained by that most vital relationship. And then when life happens, and the storms blow and the tumbleweeds of our friendship circles get blown over there, we stand strong in faith, surrounded by an incredible root system. For those of us who may have been on this journey for a while, our being ready might be about taking the next step being ready to mentor others, inviting others into the faith, teaching others how to root deep, to build a thicker life with God, to live in that place of deeper relationship. But whatever stage or age we find ourselves today, it is about seeking. Seeking is our word of the week to remember that we must seek God's God and God's kingdom first and above all things. We are choosing today intentionally to set aside pursuing success and money and social ladders. The altar before God gives us the opportunity every day, but I want you to claim it today to repent and to turn back away from human nature that drives us by everything out there and turn toward God, turn toward the cross, to intentionally think like Jesus, to build community like Jesus and be a part of bringing about the kingdom both here on earth and in heaven. Maybe your seeking will take you to a new group, take you into a new place in Scripture. Wherever it is, I hope you will go. But how do we go? We may not go as the world sends us, But we're going. We are choosing to go in the way in which Jesus taught so that our excess is transformed into the essential, being freed up to not be about the world, but to be about God, trusting God, and leaning on God. Have you ever taken time to admire a lemon tree? If you stand in front of a lemon tree, the fragrance is intoxicating. And if there's blooms on the tree, they are a brilliant white. What is special to me about a lemon tree is that they don't bear fruit unless they have fertile soil. They need just the right amount of water, and they need mulch to feed, to break down and nourish the roots. Like the lemon tree, we need the word of God and Christian community to nourish our souls, to encounter the saving grace of Jesus Christ day in and day out. Months ago now, a gentleman sat In one of the back pews in this chapel, he was facing something very difficult coming up in his life. And a pastor approached and asked him if he wanted to be alone. And this gentleman very humbly replied to him, I am not alone. What he meant was his roots are so deep. He is surrounded by such a powerful group of believing people that he had cultivated in his life for years. He was not afraid because God was with him. God has been a constant companion in his life, just like God wants to be in yours. I mentioned canoeing earlier. Canoeing for me was always fun on the river. Yes, we had to paddle a certain amount of miles each day to get to our packs, but the fun and the horseplay and the waterholes we would find in the middle made it all worthwhile. But we had a pack, this group I paddled with. Every day we would paddle at least an hour in the morning, and an hour in the afternoon, in silence. Just the ripple of the water of our paddles hitting. Because we knew that those weeks on the river were more than just a canoe trip. We knew that God was pouring into our lives. And we were at different places in our relationship with God but we had a respect for one another, that God was doing something holy and good in each of our lives. So in the middle of creation, with rushing rapids that would come, and eagles overhead, the water would carry us, and we were able to soak up the movement of God both around us and in us and I am a better person for that. When I look back on my life, the river is the one place where I have truly encountered eagles. Yes, I've seen them in the zoos and all those places where you see the pinned up eagles, but I mean encountered eagles. To see them in flight was incredible. To see them break the water near our canoes was unbelievable. Downright scary at times, too. Eagles nested right by that river. And if the trees were up to here, the eagles nested in trees that were this much higher. And they could see over the canopy of trees and find their next meal. They could watch the prey. They knew all of their territory. I love the fact that eagles stay in their same territory and they nest in the same place year after year and they invest in their nest because it's not just something they leave, but they raise all their babies there, coming back to it time after time. Did you know that Eagle's nest might easily be six foot wide and often 20 feet deep? One eagle's wingspan alone can be six foot wide. So you put mama and daddy and two or three eggs in there, it gets crowded pretty fast. So when we think about that nest, when we think about how mamas and daddy eagles get those babies ready, there's a lot that goes into it. In the wintertime when food sources aren't so available, A mama or a daddy might log 50 to 100 miles on any given day, bringing food back to the nest to feed the young and the spouse. Is that what you call mama and daddy eagles? Spouses? Partners? (laughs) But the power in this story is how mamas and daddies ready their babies for flight. Once an eaglet is born, it stays in the nest for two or three months. That baby grows because mamas and daddies go out and get food and bring it back. Mamas and daddies meet all of their needs. And this is how The story and the legend of the eagle goes for their next phase. When babies are understood to be ready to take flight, if they're not showing an interest in what's going on outside the nest, mamas and daddies build with them within them a hunger. They stop bringing them food so that they wanna go check it out for themselves. Mamas and daddies make sure that they're ready, that they have a hunger to be what God created them to be because you know what, if they stay there alone or if they go out and they don't have a hunger to be the best possible eagle, they're gonna be eaten by prey. And so what mama eagles do is they coax their babies onto their back and they go out for flight, short flights to begin with. And they soar and give them a sense of what it means to fly, only to go back to the nest, to the comfort, to another meal, more feeding, more warmth, more bound company in that nest. But the days continue. And the flights get longer, mamas coaxing the babies onto their backs and taking them out for flight. The flights get longer, but yet they still go back, back to the company and the community of the nest. But then that day comes when the mama realizes that that baby is ready to soar. And so what happens? The mama takes it on on her back one more time and that mama knows it's flight time is ready. She coaxes it onto her back and goes out to fly, goes out to fly. And when that mama knows that that baby is ready, what does she do? other than drop down so that that eaglet may soar in its own strength and its own wingspan and understand what God created it to be. Isn't that what God wants for all of us? To be so deeply rooted, to be so readied for flight that we might make a difference in the kingdom of God, both here and forevermore. Ready, set, go, God calls us to soar, amen. I want to invite you now to join me as we consider for ourselves, are we ready? Join me as we pray holy and loving God. You place people in our lives at all times and in all places to ready us. Help us take seriously your word to seek you first so that we might be ready for any circumstance we face both today and in the days to come. Holy God, we do thank you for our mothers, our fathers, our sisters and brothers, and friends and strangers who make Christian community to get us ready. Lord, for people sitting here today who need to be a part of that, help them connect with someone before they leave today, that they will find their place both here and in your greater kingdom, that we might live faithfully together and be ready as you call us to soar. In the name of Jesus, we do pray, amen.